Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, we journey deep into the African rainforest in search of the legendary ruins of the lost city of Zinj. There, we must discover the truth behind the brutal murder of Ash Williams, who apparently forgot to pack his boomstick. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the 66th episode of Hops and Box Office Slops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. And tonight, we continue our When Animals Attack series with some big, gray, or blue-faced, bad mamma gorillas with Congo. Along with me on this nightmarish expedition are Captain Cash. Hello from Romania. Uh, that accent was actually better than Tim Curry's. Congratulations. That is not true. That is not true. Tim Curry is a national treasure. And Amy the Gorilla's in-flight mixologist, Chumpzilla. Ugly, ugly, ugly podcast host. Yeah. Bad, (laughs) bad accent. Please stop talking, Tim Curry. Uh, Congo, if you would like to watch it, is currently free on Cinemax, if you have Cinemax. Otherwise, it's a uh, three ninety nine rental across platforms. I decided to don't, buy it. Don't, don't do right it, folks. Thing. No, don't. No, no. That was a I poor life decision. I am an apologist for this movie. I don't care. Oof. If I have to be the one person on this pod who stands up and goes, you know what, it's not that bad, then fine. Ugh, there's always one. If my youth has taught me anything, it's that one I saw this probably, I don't know, 25 times when I was a kid. Uh, it's that I literally believed anything that would come from the person who brought you Jurassic Park would also be awesome. This movie is a dumpster fire. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Michael Crichton really hit it out of the park with Jurassic Park. So, I mean, like, this was this was the follow-up to Jurassic Park. This was the next Jurassic Park. There was a lot of hype going into this, and we didn't have an internet so we could all look at each other and go, wait a minute. Did the gorilla talk? This is dumb as shit. Yeah. Let me chime in here because I read uh, Jurassic Park before I saw the movie. I made it a point. I'm like, oh, I want to read the book before I see this movie. And the book's great. And the movie was great. So I did the same thing with Congo. I was like, oh, I'm going to read this book before I see the movie. I read the book and I was like, yeah, I don't need to see this movie. The book's not even good. That, that's that's what you really need to know about this movie is the book wasn't even that good. The book was bad enough for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to pass. I read this book and I was like, yeah, no, 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 this is fun. It's like a jungle adventure. Let's see the movie. There's a okay. lot of... Uh... Not as good. <laughs> no, that not, book was, the book no was dumb and the movie was dumber. There's a lot of junk science in this movie, but we'll get there. Uh, tonight, yeah. we're drinking... Uh, Sonoran White Chocolate Ale from the Sonoran Brewing Company. Uh, If you just take one look at the can, which you'll see on social, you'll see why it shows it. It is a light, refreshing wheat beer with a delicate aroma and a subtle taste of white chocolate. And it clocks in at 4.7 ABV. Now, So how many gorillas do you think you need to... Yeah. Without uh, spoiling your overall thoughts, because we'll... Hang on, wait, wait, before we do that. Yeah. 
Yes, definitely cheers. cheers. How many beers do you think are required for a rewatch of this sort of laughably stupid movie? Three to four. It's it's not that bad, but it is not good. And if you have just a slight buzz, it is a better experience. You can kind of ignore the the gorilla suits, which just do not work. <laughs> it uh, it has a lot of the same problems as the island of Doctor Moreau, as in the suits when they're not moving look pretty cool, but by the time you have a bunch of people in ape suits hopping around a cavern. Suddenly it loses its appeal. This, these people did not go to the Andy Circus school of being a monkey. This was well, 20 years pre-Andy Circus school of being a monkey. You know, I'll agree that the monkey suits aren't great in this, the, the gorilla suits. But frankly, that's the least of the problems in this movie. They're believable enough. Um, I have zero issue with the Amy suit. It was okay. Like... For the time, pre-CGI, completely 100% practical effects, as far as I could tell, for the ape suits. I have no complaints. This movie's got way bigger issues with its nonsensical story, terrible script, and just awkward pacing and weird action set pieces. Like, this this movie's got way bigger issues than the monkey suits. So, but to that point, this is a four-beer movie for me. It's only 108 minutes long, so... About four beers, you should be able to squeeze that in there. And then uh, you, you'll probably ignore most of it. And, and you'll probably end up being kind of cheering for you know Ernie Hudson at some point. Uh, He's Ernie, the best part of this movie. Yeah, he is. Uh, since these beers are fairly light at 4.7, you could probably squeeze in five. And you'll want to because the appearance of these evil gorillas takes far too long to happen yes and yes so that, that is that to me is the principal problem with this film yeah you yes. sold me on killer monkeys and you don't give me killer monkeys until a hundred minutes in nope, yeah it's you, you didn't do that right they, this movie doesn't this movie does not start until the last 30 minutes yeah so we're gonna we're gonna get there when we get to the which plot, which is a cardinal sin of any action movie yes so congo stars Laura Ozark Linney as Dr. Karen Ross, Dylan Nip-Tuck Walsh as Dr. Peter Elliott, he's the primatologist, Ernie, who are you going to call Hudson, as Captain Monroe Kelly, Tim Pennywise Curry as Herkimer Homolka, that's his actual the character name. The second best part of this movie, the second best part of this movie. He isn't even in the top ten. He is a, he is a disaster in this movie. Let the record show that Captain Cash would absolutely eat Tim Curry sesame cakes. Just saying. Yeah. I we're gonna get to those day too. Long, all day long. Uh, we've got a pod reappearance of Grant Java Heslov as Richard. Java, Java, Java. Coffee, 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 coffee. You got Joe the Whammer Don Baker as HB Travis, and Amy the Gorilla. Now there's other big actors in this movie, but I'll cover them as we go through the plot because. They're really not principal to the movie at all. Mostly whoa. cameos at yeah. best. Whoa, 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 whoa. Quick aside here. What's the biggest cameo in this movie? Uh, outside of Bruce Campbell? Well, Joey yes. Pants is in it. It's yes. Joey no, Pants. No, 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 no. It's not Joey no. Pants. I, oh, <laughs> wait. Delroy Lindo. No. No, I know what you're talking about. It's Jimmy Buffett. 
It's Jimmy Buffett. Wait, Jimmy Buffett is in this? How yeah. did I miss that? Jim, Jimmy Buffett is the 737 pilot. He yep. gets like three seconds of screen time, but it's Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett is also in Jurassic World, and you might recognize him as the man holding the margaritas. That's So what you're saying is... Wasting away in Gorillaville. Yep. What you're saying is Jimmy Buffett might have a hand in every Michael Crichton movie. I need to go back and watch Westworld again. I don't think he's yeah. in that. He is in a bunch of stuff like randomly. Because when I was like, I've what, got, Jimmy Buffett? And yeah, I've got a up. screen grab. I'll definitely tweet that to the the whatevers. Now so, I'm a little offended that Amy the Gorilla didn't get a margarita as her in-flight drink. Green drop. Green drop drink. Would have made way I more sense. I thought that was going to be a green apple martini, but whatever. Something with a thousand bananas, at least, you'd think. Oh, yeah, there you go. You the daiquiri. So. Where's the daiquiri machine? Come on, folks. So this movie is directed by Frank Marshall. Also did Arachnophobia. He did Eight Below. He's produced hundreds of huge Hollywood movies, including Raiders of the Lost Ark, Back to the Future, Temple of Doom, and many others. Uh, this movie came out in June of 1995. And against all odds, and the better judgment of moviegoers, grossed just north of $152 million on a production budget of only $50 million. Now, I'd say it was a hit, but they also spent almost $100 million marketing this thing, including partnerships with Pepsi and Taco Bell, and I will put the commercials for those on the social. Nice. I'm, I'm excited to see that. I haven't watched those. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're 90s. They're very 90s. Again. I don't even call this a hit. You can call it a, like, <laughs> took, a, took a baseball to the shoulder walk-on at best. Yeah, again, I remember this movie from the 90s because they did market the hell out of it. There were Taco Bell cups. There were commercials. Like It was basically like, hey, it's Jurassic Park, but monkeys. And I was like, no, I read the book. It's shit. I'll, I'll pass. So they definitely tried to cram this down consumers' throats. And probably to their benefit, they probably came close to breaking even on it. Maybe. I, You know, they but probably yes. did make a little bit of profit, especially once but it barely. hit home video. But yeah, yeah to put $97 Not what they were expecting. Movie, when no shit. the signature moment comes in the last 20 minutes and there almost is nothing awesome to speak of in Wait, between. What's the signature moment? It's the laser Lasering thing. the monkeys! Yeah. How do you laser. not know that? It's lasering the monkeys. But like that, like... That takes that's like, that's like two minutes. It, that's what I'm saying. Like, in I, mean, Jurassic I, I, Park, get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but it's like she lasers one monkey's hand off, and the rest of it's just kind of like background. She lasers like, multiple monkeys. Yeah, she cuts in half. She gets one in half. Yeah, she does get one in half, and you get to see him cut in half. But anyway, yeah, we're getting way too far. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. They had such high hopes for this because Jurassic Park was a phenomenon that. Then president of Paramount, Arthur Cohen, was quoted as saying, you have to make the American public believe that they're not good people if they don't see Congo. You, so you'd failed as a person. You'd failed as an American. You were worthless gutter trash if you did not go see this sci-fi guerrilla adventure in 1995. I saw this movie and I will tell you, I am a worthless American. I am gutter trash because I saw this movie. I mean, well, I saw it in theaters. And, and I'll just say... That to me is one of the most vapid, hollow, 
empty statements from a Hollywood suit that I've ever heard. Like that, that actually knocks down my faith in humanity a bit because what sort of corporate asshole comes up with that kind of mentality? Like that's not how you market entertainment properties. What the fuck? Where's your head at? That just, that's depressing. That's depressingly vapid and empty of empathy and just like any kind of hint of humanity. Oh my God. And that's how we get shitty movies like this because well, that's the kind of I, people behind them. I hate to burst your bubble, but yeah, there's Hollywood's filled with jokesters like that. Uh, I am going to the one place capitalism cannot get me. You know, I, I, space. I'm just going to tell you that I'm assuming his lead consultant on this was Carl Rove. That's all I'm saying. Uh, maybe. I mean, Steve Mnookin produced Suicide Squad Batman for Superman. So, Excuse me, Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Yeah. I mean, he obviously had nothing to do with the creative decisions, but he put up money. So there's a lot of morons throwing around well, money in Hollywood. Well, well, well and, and these movies have a connection because Mr. Echo is Killer Croc. That's true, yeah. Uh, so like other Michael Crichton projects that failed to pack the power of Jurassic Park sphere, uh, Captain Cash's beloved 13th Warrior. This also got terrible reviews because it is not very good. It's 22% on Rotten Tomatoes with 49 reviews. Users gave it a 29%. So, again, wow. Captain Cash, you're in the minority. I'd have, I'd have put this in the 50s. No, I'm not, this I'm not movie saying is, it's good. But... No, this movie has a lot, a lot, a lot of problems. Now, hot garbage. We're about to get to those, but before that, how would you describe this film in one sentence? Free Amy, the ape escape. Okay, Chumpzilla. Laura, I swear I'm not Laura during Lenny. Ernie Hudson and Dylan Walsh star in what is apparently an alien-style sequel to King Kong, directed by James Cameron's non-union Mexican equivalent. Yame Camarón? Si. Bueno. Muy bueno. Okay, uh, that's pretty apt. I said uh, Romanian Tim Curry... It's too stupid to put his armload of diamonds in his satchel. The end. That's what I took from this movie. That's how ridiculous this movie is and how stupid it is. Stop taking the diamonds from my diamond mine. There's there's way more dumbness to this movie on top of that, but that is like one of the more like painfully stupid things. Like he's got pockets. He could just use his pockets. Forget the satchel. Just like, I'm going to take this this fist-sized diamond, and I'm just going to jam it in my pocket. Look, I Christopher Walken can fit bigger things in his ass, as far as Pulp Fiction is concerned. Depending on what you know about Christopher Walken, maybe, maybe not. Uh, Not the character, I mean. But I understand where you're coming from in that it's dumb that he's holding them. But it's it's, it's a cliche that he's you know, running around his fingers full of these diamonds and that's what ultimately kills him. You you can't so, credit this movie. They're in a room that's approximately forty yards long. He gets separated from the group and is killed and nobody realizes he's being murdered until he's already like it's too late. It is so dumb. It's so, so, so dumb. I think he literally teleports like thirty feet away from the main group to be murdered. Like, yeah, that final other... monkey fight. Yeah, everybody jumps around quite a lot. All right, the actual description 
is when an expedition to the African Congo ends in disaster, a new team is assembled to find out what went wrong. That's the, the short of it. Everything. Everything went so, wrong. Let's cue the plot. Now, I do have some questions sprinkled throughout, and feel free to comment on some of the more nonsensical parts of this movie. But here we go. As the movie opens, Dr. Karen Ross is communicating via satellite with a, with a fellow Travicom employee, Charles Travis, the great Bruce Campbell. Uh, so much chin. Bruce Campbell had auditioned for the role of Dr. Peter Elliott, didn't get it, so bummer. Really? Yeah. Man, you could tell he was too goddamn handsome, that's why. That's, that's a huge mistake. He would have been way better in that role. I don't think that role was going to help anybody. That role was pretty... I mean, all these roles were pretty weak, aside from Ernie Hudson. Here's the thing. When you cast Bruce Campbell like that, you don't get an actor. You get Bruce Campbell. That's a good that point. would have been an improvement. Moving on. So Bruce Campbell playing with a monkey. I For two hours? I'd pay to see that. So, Charles Travis is in a remote part of the Congo jungle, and they've discovered remnants of the diamond necessary to power their laser device, and ultimately this communication satellite, which will make H.B. Travis, his father, very, very rich. Before celebrating, Charles wants to bring in friend and co-worker Jeffrey Weems, played by Taylor Nichols, to join in the glory of their discovery. So they said, hey, we'll connect in an hour. Travis goes to find Weems, who has discovered the lost city of Zinge. It's not a fruitful discovery. When Ross calls back, Travis and Weems, there is no answer. No one is to be seen. She activates the satellite. Mass hysteria. Dead bodies everywhere. The camps in ruins. Uh, before disconnecting, an ominous creature flashes before the screen and destroys the camera. Uh, if I can, the one part I really enjoyed about this is you get where something hits Bruce Campbell in the back like fruit and he goes to pick it up and it's a, a severed human eye just in his hand. And I remember reading that in the book and it did a really good job of presenting that to us here. And I was like, ah, that's hella gross. And this, like so many of the other movies we've talked about, this first scene sells the idea that you're about to see a horror movie, and you're not. Not at all. It's mostly a goofball comedy. I, I, I think mean, the it, biggest it's a shitty fa- adventure movie is what it is. Well, and the tone I think is the biggest... all over the place in this movie. It's all over yes. the place. Yes, and I think the biggest failure of the movie, to your point, Captain Cash, is you get that eyeball, you get that monkey flash and then it's like an hour until you see the monkeys yes like hard agree it sets up the monkeys as the primary antagonist when it's not this is just this is an african adventure story from you know 1800 except it's set in 1995 so i think basically you start the clock there you've got 30 minutes to get to the monkeys and they take an hour yeah Every and bit of an hour. And, 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 and there's really no payoff in that hour. That's the biggest sin this movie commits. Because honestly, if you, if you truncate the plot, it probably erases a lot of the problems. I think you have half of it right there. Because now you bring in H.P. Travis, this is Charles's dad, who basically berates Ross that she has to get this diamond. The satellite's going to make him all kinds of money. Oh, but please find my son. He outs himself as being the bad guy in the opening scene of the movie. Yeah. Which ruins the payoff at the end of the movie. So this movie runs 
before it walks, then it walks far too long, and then it runs again. There's, it doesn't even walk, it like shuffles. There's nothing subtle to it. Like it shuffles on all fours, but with stilts. You know, so it's like a gorilla. The HB Travis reveal is a third act reveal, and they blow it in the first five minutes of the movie. Ten yeah, hard to agree. Like, uh, at no point are you unsure that he is a corporate bastard. That's only concerned with money and the diamonds, and clearly he doesn't care about her. So... Yeah. All right, moving on. Our second half of the story, then, revolves around Dr. Peter Elliott, the primatologist, and his gorilla Amy, who is experiencing some bouts of depression. Dr. Elliott has taught Amy sign language, and through a device she's able to communicate orally. Blah, 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 blah. As I said, she's unhappy. I want to stop there because the way they do this in the movie is they give Amy a glove and a backpack so that when she signs things, it says what she's signing, which that's a really elegant solution for the movie because otherwise you've got a a gorilla that's just doing ASL signing, which actually kind of worked for uh, Rampage when The Rock does it, right, with his gorilla buddy. But... Like, in 1995, I don't think you get away with just doing ASL in subtitles. So I thought that was a clever solution to, like, look, it's a movie. We can do this. And it, and it does. Uh, I think it would work better if the uh, gorilla was capable of making her signs look distinct. But they all look mostly the same. Uh, there's some limitations to the suit, for sure. Although I, it does emote very well, and that's because they made three separate heads for Amy the Gorilla, depending on what she was supposed to be doing, which was kind of cool. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But she is depressed. She's unhappy. She's been painting a lot. And as Dr. Elliot's giving this big talk about how he taught Amy to do all this, one of those painting flashes on the screen, and creepy, Hermerker Homolka sees it. it. It's the sign he knows and knows well, the lost city of Zinge. The so, eye. Elliot wants to take Amy back to the Congo, How's he going to do it? He has no money. Well, the benevolent philanthropist, Hermerker Homoka, offers to pay. I travel the world doing good. Yeah, and so they go. It is this transport that Travicon, led by Dr. Ross, sort of hijacks for their own purposes because they need to get into the country, but Zaire is going to close the border because if they find all these dead bodies out in the middle of the jungle, it's going to be bad news. Here's a good question, because they get to the airport, Hermerker and Homolka, this billionaire, instructs them, you guys have to pay for the fuel. What the hell's going on with this guy? Why can't he pay for the fuel of the plane? He is deliberately made to be shady. He is very obviously another bad guy. He's played by Tim fucking Curry in the 90s. He's a bad guy. It's just so dumb. It's so dumb. Well, uh, to I your... don't mind at all. He, he's a cartoonish villain. It's it's so dumb because the only reason he can't pay is so Ross has a reason to get on the plane. It's it's poor script writing. Yes. So to your point, Captain Cash, and in support of what your concerns are here, Mr. Wizard, his character doesn't make any sense if he doesn't have money. If he is just scraping by the bottom of the barrel here, trying to find these diamonds, like his whole shtick doesn't make any sense because there's like zero chance he could be successful because he doesn't have the money to bankroll his operations. 
Like it, it's not like he's a huckster. A... He's a con man. He's going from place to place. But he's... you're you're drawing your own conclusions. He's supposed he, to be rich. No, and I, no, I agree. That, that's the way funds the expedition, Captain Cash. That, that, he has. That's money. the way he. In the end, that's the way he comes off as a huckster. He's not to be taken seriously. But to your point, though, then he's not really a villain. He's just a clown. So, like, so that, that it's kind of like yeah, what, no, that's wait, fair. Yeah, but, but, but my, point, my also point clown. is to Mister Wizard's point. Yeah, and then that just opens the the door for not Lord Dern's character to come in and fund the operation, which also makes zero sense because she works for fucking WorldCom, like MCI. Like she doesn't need to piggyback on shit. Why does she? Why why does she have to go with somebody? Like he already he, they literally send a second troop of like that's dudes true that to go in ruins that whole subplot so why didn't they just send that in? it makes no it, it like it makes like not even uh a, 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 the, a the smallest unit of sense is not made in this movie like M-T-K-M. there's no point of km if they didn't do that there wouldn't be a movie so you gotta like no there wouldn't be a gorilla okay i'm gonna call bullshit on that argument here because this goes beyond just like, hey, it's a fun movie. Don't pay attention to it. And like, it's like, no, literally, this movie contradicts itself and like crams it down your throat and says, look how fucking stupid we are. Like, it's like that. It's it's painfully obvious. It's not just like a, eh, don't worry about it. It's like, ah, fuck it, movie, moving on. Like, it's terrible. Okay, yeah, sorry. okay. Yeah, you know what? That, that's sorry. fair. Sorry. In this particular instance. And we'll get to how it contradicts itself. But the whole reason that Travicon is getting involved is because, I guess, they wouldn't be able to acquire the necessary papers to fly in. So they're going to hijack this return of the gorilla to the Congo. Yeah, those people seem real concerned with international paperwork issues. Let me tell you right now. But hey, you know what? Fuck it. Because if we didn't get that plane scene with uh, the fuel issue, we wouldn't have got our jimmy buffett cameo so i'll take i'll take a cent off for that yeah all right so they you know they board the plane <laughs> moving on they get to africa and of course in hollywood africa is a just a hell world full of what, a it, constant it, war yeah plane. strife and war so. hold on I'll, I'll make i'll make a political commentary here i thought it was very offensive that they just called their landing place central africa they land in Central Africa. They don't even give it a country. It's just like, eh, middle of the continent. Fucking who cares? Yeah, so this is where the movie kind of shows its ass <laughs> as far as uh, any of that is concerned. All of Africa is treated as very, like... <sighs> Basically Indiana. <laughs> you know, a hellish, a hellish uh, apocalyptic uh, landscape with roving bands of bandits and mercenaries yeah basically rural indiana rural indiana but with slightly more charm and it is in indiana with slightly more charisma that they are to meet their guide captain monroe kelly that is ernie hudson who is the best part of this movie he is the best part of this movie i am pissed off we didn't get more movies starring ernie hudson as the primary protagonist he is a leading man god damn it Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. No, no, he saw it. He saw in this. Hey, we made the joke about his accent in this. I'll take a stab at it. I think it's a South African accent. 
it is not a South African accent. I think that's what he's trying to do. That's that's my theory. It's certainly not a South African accent. Uh, I don't know what he's trying to do, uh, but like it feels kind of British, but it only is kind of British sometimes. Like, you don't get a good sense of where Monroe Kelly is supposed no, to be it, from. Not a lot but of strong it vague, It's vaguely European in its affect, and again, I think I think he was trying to do a South African accent. That's my theory. I'm sticking with it. Okay. Well, their success is short-lived here as they're taken prisoner by Captain Wanta, that's Delroy Lindo, who requires a substantial bribe for their admittance to the country. He also reveals that Homolka has been there before digging around in areas he was not meant to be. And this is the most memed part of the movie. If you've never seen Congo, you have probably seen Stop Eating My Sesame Cake. Yes, which leads us to the question. Would either of you dare to attempt to eat Delroy Lindo's sesame cake? Fuck no. Delroy Lindo tells you to stop eating his cake, you stop eating his cake. It's that easy. Yeah, I think it's a hard no. No, fuck yes. Those cakes look delicious. Always a contrarian. You, You can take those sesame cakes from my cold, dead hands. It's heavily made because of the ridiculous face that Tim Curry makes while he's preparing to eat this cake he knows he's not supposed to eat. <laughs> Again, look, I, I understand Tim Curry's character is a little wild and over the top, but I stand by him, Laura Linney, and Ernie Hudson are the only ones who understand what kind of movie they're in. I love that your list continues to grow with like each passing minute of the pod. Now Laura Linney's part of the great acting. Oh, Lori Linney has always been part of it. She's great in this. She's no. I, I would argue that uh, <laughs> Tim Curry is not over the top enough in this. He could be like, more over the top. I would have accepted a wilder. I would argue Tim Curry. his characters I feel like from a was... different movie entirely. Yeah, I feel like he was trying to keep this like in the vein of some weird, you know, side character. Whereas there was a lot more room for him just to like chew up the scenery and do something because nobody else was. There was a huge vacuum of charisma in this movie, and I think that's probably bullshit. Ernie Hudson has charisma for everybody. No, no, no. You are overselling this really hard. I am not. Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson reaches fucking Lando Calrissian levels of smooth in this movie. Okay, I might have to mute no. Mike now. Yeah, c- this yeah, is ridiculous. No, no. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I- I'm going to give Captain Cash some credit here because he's touching on something that I think is legit, and I'll take this moment to comment on it. Um, I do agree that the slightly stylized performances of both. Uh, Ernie Hudson and Tim Curry are probably the best performances acting wise in this movie. But I think that's because in comparison to the vapid nature of everyone else, they stand out. They needed to do more to elevate this material. They didn't really bring this movie to any level of competence. They just sucked less than everyone else. So the two leads in this film, have to be Laura Linney's character and Peter Walsh's character, uh, the the primatologist. Yes, Dr. Peter Elliot. Yeah, the, and that's that's where this movie falls down for me. Peter Elliot needed the level of charm and charisma 
that Ernie Hudson has to carry this because Laura Linney's not supposed to be funny or or entertaining. She's a stone cold badass as part of the CIA. She's here to kick ass and take names. Yes, she's certainly her and Ernie Hudson are the tough guys. We're going to move on from the cast because we got plenty of plot left. But that's fair. Uh, Peter Walsh is supposed to be the exasperated guy who's out of his element. Like he doesn't have a very thankful role. Like I mean, that's fair. But he never minds it for like he's kind of funny or you know like he's freaked out, but well, he still does it in a way that's charming. It that, goes that, that, that just point. never comes through. There's really no chemistry between most of the cast, aside from maybe Hudson and Lynn. and everyone. Yep. So here's where I'll knock Laurel Linney, Laurel, Laura Linney and the monkey guy. Their plots end up not mattering at all in the end. Well, the whole movie doesn't matter. Yeah, my, my point is that a- Amy doesn't matter. No, that, she that does. Just, like, there is a nice story about returning an animal to where she belongs. Has nothing to do with the lasers or curry. Yeah, or, but that's, it n- just, neither it does just, his plot. No, but but that's the point. Like, I guess I'm arguing the same point you are. This whole movie doesn't make sense. They just like they come together and everything diverges. It's a pointless movie, which is and probably and was th- a pointless book. So and they throw the diamond away at the end. So that doesn't which is matter why either. there's such meandering. Anyway, yeah, you're you're right. It meanders. So let's meander yeah. through this plot a little further. Things happen. The gorilla gets drunk on a plane. They're forced to skydive with that gorilla because rebels are attempting to shoot down their transport in a comically odd jump where Ernie Hudson is essentially uh, squatting a gorilla as he walks off the plane. Tandem skydiving with a gorilla. Yeah, That might be the silliest thing that happens in this movie after the gorilla drinking out of martini glass. Uh, Cinematic first? I think so. Maybe. It probably is. Uh, this is also probably a cinematic first. Elliot burns a leech off his penis with Monroe Kelly's cigar. Whoa, 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 stop. Hold on. Cigar scene? That was actually probably the funniest joke in the movie because he tries to give the cigar back to Ernie Hudson, and Ernie Hudson's like, hey, no, I'm cool. And he just throws it on the I, ground. I, I don't want the dick cigar. Yeah. yeah. That that was funny. I enjoyed that. They discover uh, Travicom survivor Bob Driscoll, who you'll recognize from Deadwood. That's John Hawks. Yeah, Soul Star, welcome back. Who inexplicably dies from screaming too much. There is a lot of <laughs> There's I two, died of screaming. Two screaming deaths. In this movie. <laughs> they are then attacked by a herd of hippopotamuses crossing a river. Which, to be fair, hippos kill more people in Africa every hippos year. Hippos are very crocodiles. dangerous. That's They're one dangerous of the more as shit. Believable scenes. Now, Hippos kill more people than orca because orcas have never killed anyone in the wild. Only that's in true. I will that's say entirely true. I do have a question about this because they drug Amy the gorilla multiple times. First on the plane, then as they're preparing to whitewater raft. Was that a good idea? What if the raft tips? Who's getting the gorilla out of the water if the raft goes goes over? Listen, I feel like doping the gorilla was not a safety measure on behalf of the gorilla so much as everyone else. And, and they booze her up first, and then they drug her. Yeah. So it's three times. But anyway, moving on. Okay. Anyway, upon returning to the safety of shore, they discover the abandoned camp and ultimately the lost city of Zinge. If it looks familiar, that's because it's essentially a double for the set of Legends of the Hidden Temple. And I'm not even that's kidding when I was. say that. It is Olmec. Olmec. <laughs> yes. Olmec, yeah. It yeah. looks so Nickelodeon, cheap. Bro. It's a $50 million movie, and 
you know, by today's standards, well, 50 million is not a lot, but 1995, 50 million is a lot of money. That's, and that's got to be at least a hundred thousand dollars. Maybe and considering there's no CGI, so that's all going into yeah. the practical effects and, and the background and, between, and the location uh, shots. The outside of the temple and the, the cavern where they fight the evil gorillas, oh boy, does it look cheap. It really, it is Xena warrior princess levels of, hey, we got to like shoot a lot of this, so let's yeah. kind of keep it mm, tight. Now here's where we talk about the pacing problems because... Within minutes of discovering Zinj, they also come to discover Tors. As the majority of the crew heads into the temple, Richard comes running in. He's covered in blood. He's screaming. He dies screaming. Uh, and then killed we, by we're gonna yeah, say blood loss. Blood killed terror. by lack of caffeine. Didn't have his Java. And then this is where we get our first real glimpse of the angry gorilla as it emerges in the entrance of the temple and rolls a severed head at them. <laughs> yeah. And then they attack. So here they are. Finally, they're attacking. Kelly and Mr. Echo fight their way out. And then they camp out side of the temple for the night. They just hang out there within feet of where the three people were just brutally murdered. Well, well where are they going to go? Like... They're in the middle of the, the jungle. It, First of all, how to put up lasers and yes. machine gun sentinels. I mean, they set up a perimeter, but this is the big problem with the pacing of the movie. If the first attack happens, and then there's some real tension, people are getting dragged away at night, like in, in the Ghost in the Darkness, and you have about 30 minutes pass before the final showdown, now you've got an hour of quality evil gorilla content, as opposed to tw 20 minutes time. Yeah, the back 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah, 20, yeah. Because it's like, okay, here's the perimeter. They do some alien-type stuff, aliens-type stuff, where they're looking aliens, at some really yes. dated computers. The uh, proximity guns are shooting out into the, into the jungle. And they can see them. They can, and they can hear them, but they can't, you know, really get a good shot. And this is where the line of the movie comes in. That's smart. Too damn smart. Which, I, I don't know. I feel like that's one of those things where... Well, if, if your principal monster for your film is something like an, a, a mammal that is considered to be intelligent, there shouldn't be some kind of shock around, look how smart it is. Now that we're at this scene, I'm going to air my biggest gripe between the movie and the source material. I was a little surprised they didn't stick closer to the source material because the apes in the book used paddles to like bust heads. And I feel like that would have worked on screen. If you would have had, like, angry monkeys toting, like, stone tools for head bashing, like, that would have fit the tone and the angle they were trying to work. I feel like it was almost a disservice to the source material and the movie to not use that because that makes the apes more angry and menacing. I disagree because that adds an extra layer that you need to explain that they took away the well, stone paddles, I can totally accept an ape is strong enough to crush a human skull. But true. I agree that you needed to get... So in the book, the apes are meant to be slightly more intelligent than your average gorilla. Right, they do yeah. have a culture, which is why they've continued to live in the city of Zinj and defend it. 
And before you jump in, Mr. Worser, I'll just say, yeah, I think it would work better if you got to that scene faster. Then you have more time to breathe well, with the bad ape society. The whole point of them overthrowing their uh, evil masters should have been, they should have been almost closer in approximation to the apes and Planet of the Apes, where maybe they don't talk, but yeah, they have, uh, there's, there's more human elements to them then there's your, this your there's a legit gorilla. society yeah yeah because what you get is they're just feral gorillas who unlike most gorillas are hyper violent and aggressive they're not any smarter than amy the gorilla and that is shown in the movie so right no no i i, I agree completely and i think all of this goes to the our all of our biggest problem with this movie is it's taken this long for us to get to yeah. the payoff, which is the evil monkeys. We came to see the evil monkeys. You made me wait a hundred minutes to, yeah. to, to dance with the evil monkeys. Yeah. Okay. Because effectively, Amy's arc doesn't make any sense until you get to the other apes. Everything in this movie is a long, drawn-out sort of waste. Anyways, they try and escape the next day. They do it through the temple? Why? Yeah. What is with that? When we know that the they came through the camp that the other Travicon people were in? So they We don't know, know that, that they other went ways? through the temple. We don't we don't know that there's not a way out, but it is a really weird choice to do. We're gonna escape, let's go underground. Yeah. What? It just of course it doesn't work. There's another earthquake, which we didn't really mention, but this is on top of a volcano. This is our second volcano movie. So they end up being caught in an earthquake, which crumbles part of the temple, which puts them right into the cavern of the evil apes. Which we did not know lived in the temple until this point. Yeah. They just kind of stumble into, and it's like a, a shitty zoo from the 50s where every ape's got its own little hole that it lives in. Yep. Oh, it's not good. And so they come out in, like, mass. This, of course, is where Tim Curry dies running around like a jackass holding a bunch of diamonds. Poor Mr. And Echo so gets bashed off. to death. We didn't, we didn't get the full, his head is crushed. Like, I wanted a scanner's level head explode. Like, you see the ape swing down on Tim Curry's head and it cuts to black and you hear a crunch. Well, and that's it. And I'm like... I feel cheated. That's the oddity of this movie is they marketed this movie to kids so hard and then they have to neuter it when it could be really cool at the end. Like if you just go full in and people's arms are getting ripped off and they're getting beat to death with them, I would probably love this movie, but I do not. So so this is what PG 13. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that that's a huge letdown because they rope you in with the gratuitous ape violence and then they give you a weak-ass discretion shot. When it it really, off. it is weak. And that hurts. And I get it. It's It was PG-13. It wasn't an R movie. But, yeah, that's really disappointing. There's a lot of... Because you knew uh, what was coming and they're like, ha-ha, pan away. The whole scene is kind of poorly choreographed because... You can actually put yourself in a corner. We know that because Laura Lenny goes and finds the diamond and the laser and poor Charles Travis and the Weems guy. And she gets ready to start lasering fools. And half the crew is stuck in the middle of the cave getting just destroyed. While Ernie Hudson and the guy who's never shot a gun in his life 
sit behind a cover, safe for the majority of it, when everybody could have fled behind the rock. It's really, really dumb. But the laser is really, really cool, and she just goes to town with it. This is this is absolutely the climax of the film. It's the we're gonna laser some monkeys, and yeah. for what it's worth, it's it's pretty good. Well, and I do appreciate the movie gives you the laser in the first like five minutes, and the, it gives you the laser again in the last like fifteen. Here's what makes me so mad about the laser in the very beginning, though. He shoots it in the middle of a dense jungle, and of course a fire erupts, but they just leave it. It's like why would you shoot that in the middle of the jungle, which could easily light on fire because this laser is powerful enough to reach space we come to find out so certainly it could start a massive forest fire anyways so we talk on this this pod all about tropes i feel like we've talked about Chekhov's gun before where you don't talk about a gun until you use it in the third act this is Chekhov's laser gun and it fucking rules yeah so she kills the majority of the apes. The rest are murdered by lava because the volcano erupts. And they appear to murder themselves. There are several apes that just like leapt in the lava. Well, I think they saw some of the dailies and they're like, nope. <laughs> I went out of this movie. Yeah, I'm done. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, too, I'm too ape to live. Of course they escape. That being Monroe, Dr. Ross, Dr. Elliot, Amy escapes. And she goes on to live a happy life with the silverback gorilla and his family in the jungles of the Congo. They escape by hot air balloon. Yes, hot air balloon. <laughs> Look, I, I know that's dumb, but you have to remember this is supposed to be a dumb Africa adventure movie. In the book at this point, they, they fight Vern cannibals. Yeah. I like just, they they I literally just they two, fight a tribe of cannibals. Two, now. two planes get shot down in this movie, and they escape in a hot air balloon. That's all I'm saying. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. So that's Congo. It is what it is. Good, bad, or indifferent. I think Chumzilla, you and I are on the same page. That's pretty bad. And the movie feels a lot more dated than it actually should. And that's a consequence of what you're going to give us a little insight. Yeah, I think I can add some uh, backstory to that. The problem with this movie is after Michael Crichton, who's a prolific writer, let's be honest, he's penned a lot of stuff i feel like that's Books, the best thing you can say he is prolific yep yep um after the success of the the, the great train robbery i think right with yeah sean connery in in the 70s he wanted to follow that up and he wanted to write another movie with sean connery in mind so he wrote the what would become the novel congo and the screenplay for the the movie uh, yeah, in the mid to late 70s. And I think one of the biggest problems with the movie is it has a weird and dated view of technology. And so if I can jump in. doesn't play well. Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, so if I can jump in, and I think this is the, the interesting thing, because he this novel is written as a, a retelling of the diamond mines of King Solomon which is uh, an adventure story starring Alan Quartermain, which is kind of funny because in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Sean Connery comes back and plays Alan Quartermain, who is supposed to be in these diamond mines. But right, this is which, supposed which to is be... basically who Ernie Hudson's character was supposed to be. Yeah, yes, which, on. 
good that they changed it because if you brought another white dude in here and he's supposed to be the Africa expert, Jesus. Yeah. It's well, terrible. The, the, the screenwriter basically said, like, I'll do this script, but I'm not going to do a white guy uh, in this role telling all the Africans what to do. It's got to be a black dude. And we got Ernie Hudson. Which, again, Ernie Hudson, best part of this movie. Kills it. Yeah, but th- that's why this feels so weird and sort of dated is because it's meant to be one of these Afri- like darkest heart of Africa. There's yes. natives in the wildlife is trying to kill you. And like that shit was old in 1950, and it only barely worked for Raiders because none of the Indiana Jones movies are set in Africa. Well, they're also oh, wait until the last one. They're Ugh. also yeah. set in the 1940s and 50s. This is supposed to be present day. Yeah, yeah, which is another. Pro- you're absolutely right. Again, this movie was written with those 50s and 60s ideals with 70s sensibilities, and they tried to film it in the 90s. Okay, it just didn't yeah. translate. So here's some quick fire questions before we take our first break. Uh, okay. Collider just did a piece because this movie just celebrated its 25th anniversary. Basically, t- writing about why it deserves to be a cult classic. Is this movie so bad that it's actually good? Captain Cash, we'll start with you. Uh, it's a hard yes for me. This movie is so bad, it, it is good. Um, there are a number of standout, insane performances that I absolutely love. Like, I like to laugh. And Tim Curry's just insane Eastern European, whatever. I like to lament the fact that Ernie Hudson actually is a, a leading man, and we don't get that. I, I love Laura Linney's like badass character, who basically she disappears and does English dramas for the rest of her career. This movie is is a movie where you, for a second, got to see the the good timeline, and we don't get that. So yeah. Go back and watch this movie. There's a lot of potential here that we living in the darkest timeline do not get. Chopzilla? Clearly, Captain Cash and I saw different movies. No. This movie stinks. It's terrible. Um, No knock on Ernie Hudson. uh, No knock on Tim Curry. uh, No knock on Bruce Campbell, who gets criminally underserved in this movie. But no, this movie is just a freaking dumpster fire. It's not even a, a, like a, a noteworthy period piece. It's just, it's just, yeah, not good. And it, it, the, the worst part about this movie is that it takes that adventure type movie trope. It's like an Indiana Jones type movie. And it just does so little with the concept. It just It's just a muddled mess all the way through. And even with decent actors, it just doesn't pay off. Nothing in this movie pays off. It's just bleh all the, the way the through. The cast is is very good and isn't given a lot to do. I, no. I don't think it's a cult classic. Because no. cult classics also have to be... They can't just be stupid and, and bad. They also have to be entertaining. And yes, I bought this movie, but that was more for nostalgia because I did used to think this was pretty awesome. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Uh, But yeah, it's just there's not enough in here to warrant it being a cult classic because it's too boring. Like it could be frenetically dumb and bad and somewhat fun, but there's about like half an hour of an hour and 45 minute movie that's at all entertaining. 
And that's just too little to be like, oh, yeah, this is a cult classic. I can't believe this isn't running on late night cable all the time. I So I feel like that's a fair critique. I, I've, there isn't enough that happens that's exciting that's tied to other stuff that you care about. I still think this film is buoyed by basically three good actors, a couple of interesting cameos where you go, holy shit, it's that guy! Between Delroy, Lindo, Bruce Campbell, and Joey Pants, you're like, wait a minute, what, him? Also the Saul Star and Java, 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 coffee, coffee, coffee. Yeah. And then Joey get, Pants is a big, that's a, that's a big cameo. Yeah, and then you get shitty, like, shitty gorilla costumes, and you're kind of like, okay, this is dumb, I can have a good time with this. That's where I'm at. Well, you just need more of them. You need way more of them. Now, this movie's full of tropes. You said it before, Captain Cash. Of all the tropes in the film, which is the most overused? Some examples, the lost city, the greedy businessman, the murderous animals unknown to man until they encounter them, etc. I have one that's very concrete. It's pretty small, but it happens all the time in movies, and it drives me nuts. Listen, the most overplayed trope is the whole concept of this film, which is darkest heart of Africa. But leaving that aside, because that's basically what this movie is built on, the the most overused trope is the not good businessman who is greedy, because you've got, at a bare minimum, two named characters that have extended periods in this film. You got Travis, and you got who? Uh, what's Tim Curry's character's name? Hermit Homolka? Right, where it's it's shady businessman who is in this thing for maybe a good reason, but really not a good reason. And it, and both of them are transparently there for the not the good reason. They're, they're the same character from slightly different angles. So that's the overuse in mind, in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the the mad about you guys name from Aliens? Paul Reiser. That yes, guy. Paul Reiser. It's the same character. Yep. Okay, Chumpzilla. Well, no, I, that that and I'll leave my point is that uh, Laura Linney's character doesn't recognize that she's a bad guy. It's like you're working for the evil. You're working for the you know, Wyland Duteni Corporation the entire time. Like, do you not get that? Like, you're not a good guy. She judges everybody else. Like, I judge your motivations. I judge your motivations. But I'm here for true reasons. I'm trying to save my boyfriend. But you're really there on the behest of, like, an evil corporation. Well, she's certainly the jack-of-all-trades character. But she also redeems herself in the end because she blows up his satellite with the laser that can reach space. Because in the end, she finally realizes, oh, I'm I'm a a corporate stool. Yes, I'm going to get back at them. Corporate stooge. Corporate stooge. Stool, stooge, whatever. It doesn't pay off. My point is it doesn't pay off. You're like, oh, yeah, no shit. You were... You were a freaking tool the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, this happens way too often in movies. This movie did nothing to earn this stupid, like, really painful attempt at romantic chemistry. It's when I forget which one. The, the, whoa, 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 whoa. The only romantic chemistry in this movie is between one dude and the ape. No. Nope. That's it. <laughs> There's a scene. Their husband and wife. You're missing the whole nonsense of she. The, 
Amy's jealous of Laura Lenny, which is all another thing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, but nothing happens. So he, he quotes a poem, or she quotes a poem, and then she's like, oh, and she says the poet's name. Never in real life has this ever happened. It happens all the time in movies, and it drives me friggin' insane. It is so stupid. There was a male lead. There was a female lead. It was before 2015. If there's a male lead and a female lead, Probably they have to hook up. They shouldn't, so, but that definitely happens. Uh, so I've got two questions now, Captain Cash. Is that your cutoff point? Is 2015 your cutoff point for the mandatory hookup of male and female leads? Is that it? You drawing that line? Is that Based line been drawn? Based on Pacific Rim, yes. Okay. And also, my second point, following up to Captain, or excuse me, to Mr. Wizard's point, <clears throat> are you telling me you've never had a female quote back to you of poetry after you've quoted a line to her? Nope. One of the stupidest things that happens in movies, and I can't stand it. I quote poetry <laughs> to my wife, and she goes, ah, this. I'm like, yeah. No. It's, it's so dumb. It's two strangers who don't know each other's tastes randomly quoting poetry to someone they've never met only to have, oh, of course I know who that is. It's stupid. It happens all the time in movies. You and her wife are a totally different thing. For some reason, she married you, which means she <laughs> likes you, and she understands that you have the same taste. Totally different thing. I mean, it's fair. All right. Two more quick fires. We're taking a break. Worst accent, Kilmer and the Ghost in the Darkness, Nicolas Cage and Con Air, or Tim Curry in this? Single word answers will suffice, because all the accents are fucking terrible. <laughs> Kilmer didn't bother with an accent. Tim Curry is fucking flawless. Nicolas Cage, I appreciate you were trying to do a thing, but Jesus Christ, it didn't work. Well, <clears throat> my vote is Kilmer for his, what I believe to be a lack of effort. At least the other two were trying. That is also fair. I think Kilmer was subdued enough where I, it doesn't offend me as greatly as Nicolas Cage's really bad accent. And I'm sorry, Tim Curry, you just can't do a Romanian accent this poorly. It's a very distinct accent. It was not his finest hour. Yeah, it, it it Curry's is, accent was extremely generic. It's yeah, it's like I mean, it was generic Eastern European. It's like but yeah. at no yeah. point does he break it. At oh, no does. point yes, is he it does. wildly distracting. He breaks it, it multiple times, where he just it, stops talking in it entirely. And it's super generic. Just like, I'm a slob. Look at me. I've got a Adidas jumpsuit on. I'm squatting. Yes. Yeah. This, this is yes. Tim Curry. But this is a high school student workshopping an accent in in a drama class. That's how bad this accent is. And yet it's Tim Curry, so I'm okay with it. All right. Last quick fire. I love Tim Curry. Worst looking CGI, Lava. This or Dante's Peak? I think the answer is it's closer than we'd be willing to admit. No, really. No, this movie, hands down. Yeah, this movie this is one. worse than Dante's Congo. Peak. Congo. Yeah. Yes. Dante's because... Peak at the grandma's house is real bad. And then the rest of the movie looks pretty good. Okay, uh, that, that, that's fair. That's the weakest point, but... Also, in this movie, when the lava is coming over top of the monkeys and the monkeys are like, pretending to fall in front of it, it's horrible. That's not good. Either is the satellite in space. Oof, that didn't age well at all. 
No, they'll take uh, sci-fi TV movies. I thought we were talking straight lava effects. If we're talking CGI in general, yeah. No, this movie. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I think overall it looks a lot worse because Dante's Peak only has the one moment where you're like, oh, this was 1996, wasn't it? I think think most of lava in Dante's Peak actually looks pretty good. It's just that one scene, which is the one scene they had to do CGI, really. Yeah. Whereas the whole ending of this movie is like, oh, oh no, oh no, uh, oh no, yeah. Uh, it's underwhelming. That's that's fair. Clearly, the purple parrots would have escaped with the diamonds. That's all I know. That's a team from Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> that uh, that might be a little obtuse. Yeah, that wraps up. Congo, the movie, but we're coming back with Factor Fiction, The Lost City of Zinge. Hello and welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeTheFans.com, and this is our Congo episode in our When Animals Attack series. We are now doing Factor Fiction, The Lost City of Zinge, and this is trivia relating to people associated with Congo, or the film itself. So these are going to be a series of multiple choice questions, and to buzz in, simply say, they're smart, too damn smart. Or, I will also accept, stop eating my sesame cake. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I am willing to participate now. Okay. Number one. Congo required extensive practical effects work because CGI wasn't quite ready to handle gorillas in 1995. This work was done by Stan Winston Studios. I'll share a great article about that on the social. Which legendary effects artist or studio were they attempting to best with this film? Was it A, The Henson Company? Was it B, Rick Baker? Was it C, John Dykstra of Industrial Light Magic? Or was it D, Legacy Effects? That's good. Um, Stop eating my sesame cake. Captain Cash. I'm going to give it to Henson? Incorrect. Damn it. I mean, honestly, the top three were were all very reasonable. Chapsilla, do you want me to repeat the selections? Yes, please. Okay. So, the Henson Company was incorrect. Is it B. Rick Baker? C, John Dykstra of Industrial Light Magic, or D, Legacy Effects? I'm going to go with Dykstra. Incorrect. You are both wrong. It is Rick Baker. Rick Baker was responsible for both 1984's Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, and Gorillas in the Mist. So Stan Winston Ah. Studios saw this as their chance to prove they could also do gorillas. He said, quote, Congo is kind of a proving ground for me, or at least that's what I wanted it to be. I wanted to show the world that we could do gorillas too, and do them well. Now, when you like read the article, I mean, some of the stuff they did is really, really impressive. Unfortunately, it didn't come across that well on screen because too much was required of, of the suits, I think. Number two, as we mentioned, this film put a boatload of money into marketing. What was the name of the Congo-specific item at Taco Bell? Was it A, the Blackjack Taco? Was it B, the Volcano Taco? Was it C, the Volcano Burrito? Was it D, the Firecracker Burrito? 
or was it E, the Enchirito? Those are all real things. You're too good at this. Yeah. Uh, I want to go with D, the Enchirito. Uh, that was E, but that is incorrect. Also, you didn't buzz in. So the Enchirito is off the board. Fuck. Stop eating my Enchirito cake. Captain Cash. Volcano burrito? That is correct. And that, oh, is, that is the commercial I will post to social. The volcano right. burrito. The volcano taco I thought would be the other big... Uh, no, the, the volcano taco was a real thing, but it came much later. So, uh, number three was actually about the Jimmy Buffett cameo. So I'll just mention he was also in Hook. <laughs> yeah. Number, really? Number four. Number three. The real number three now. Congo was adapted into a video game. Congo, the lost city of Zinge. Congo, the lost city of Zinge, like the movie, was incredibly subpar. Remember, these were the days when a lot of big movies got a game adaptation. What ill-fated system was it released for? Was it A... Stop eating my Game Gear cake. Captain Cash. Game Gear. Incorrect. Stop eating my sesame cake, Commodore 64. Incorrect. You guys had choices, so now I'll go through them. A, 3DO, B, the Apple Pippin, C, the Sega Saturn, D, Sega 32X, or E, the Virtual Boy? It was a console game. It was a console game. So Sega? Which one? Which Sega? The 32? Incorrect. Fuck. So, Chumzilla Sega 32X is incorrect. Captain Cash, I will repeat the choices. Is it A, the 3DO, B, the Apple Pippin, C, the Sega Saturn, or E, or D, well, really E, the Virtual Boy? The 32X is off the board, because it's not right. The only choice is the Virtual Boy. That's the dumbest possible system it could have been on. Incorrect. It was the Sega Damn Saturn, it. and I owned it, and it was an awful game. I will post a clip from it to the social. I um, really want to at least see that played through. I, so I would really. Bad. I would like a Twitch of you playing that game. Can yeah, I've, that? I've, I've got to admit at this point, I know for a fact that the Thunderous Wizard worked several weeks at a Taco Bell just so he could earn the cash to buy that Dreamcast. Is that not a fact? Well, Mr. I did Wizard. work at a Wendy's to buy a Dreamcast, but this Wendy's. was the Sega Saturn. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck it. Damn it. All right. Moving on. Uh, it's a really bad game. I'll post a clip of it to the social. There was another game on PC and Mac called Congo the Movie Descent into Zinge. And there was an, S- and there was an SNES and Genesis game in development, but it was canceled. Uh Congo, oh, not the first movie we've done to have a video game. Obviously, Cutthroat Island had one. Last Action Hero. So, it used to be a big thing. Not so much anymore. Number, Maybe, thankfully. Number four. We're at zeros, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, what, we're at, I got one. We're at one oh, nothing. One. We're oh, you one. got the Volcano Burrito. One nothing, Captain Cash. <sighs> number five. The screenwriter of Congo has won both an Oscar and a Pulitzer. For which film did he win his Oscar? Was it A, Moonstruck, 
Was it B, doubt? Was it C, alive? Or was it D, live from Baghdad? Stop eating my sesame cake. Captain Cash. Doubt? Incorrect, but he did win uh, an award for doubt. So. Damn it. But that was the play. Yeah, stop eating my sesame cakes. I believe it is Moonstruck. It is Moonstruck. Best original screenplay. Wow. He won the Oscar. He was nominated for Doubt for Best Adapted Screenplay. Doubt was his play. He adapted his own work. Live from Baghdad was a television movie, and he won an award for that as well. These are more challenging than our typical ones. Well Just done. Tough, yeah. Congo, yeah, uh, Congo was apparently not his favorite film to work on. In an interview that I'll post to social. No shit. With the AV Club, he said, Kathy Kennedy and Frank Marshall came to me with Congo and asked me to read it. They're good friends of mine. They're terrific people. They gave me the book, and I read it. I called them, and I said, I read it. They said, well, what'd you think? And I said, I like the title. This is dead accurate. This is exactly what I said. I like the title. Then I paused, and I said, I like that it starts in San Francisco, and they go to Congo. I like that. And they said, great, we'll make the deal. And I was like, holy mackerel, they wanted this to happen? So I said, okay, because I felt a great loyalty to them. I said, I'll do it, but the great white hunter... As Trimzilla mentioned, has to be black. I can't do this thing with a white guy where the white guy is telling all these black people what to do. I just can't bring myself to do it. And they said, fine, the great white hunter will be black. So no matter what, this movie is getting made. (laughs) And I cannot stress enough, Ernie Hudson is the best part of this movie. Ernie Hudson deserved more leading roles. He demonstrates this throughout this entire film. And so did Keith David. Uh, Ernie Hudson is on Oz, and that is awesome in itself. And he was on all six seasons of Oz. Ernie Hudson had a very illustrious career. Probably could have been a leading man. Should have been, yeah. yeah, He could have been McCavity, that's all I'm saying. He's too old to be McCavity. Number five. Not not back in the day. And this has a bonus (laughs) question as well. Because it's one nothing, so you're running out of real estate here, Chumpzilla. Congo was nominated for seven Razzies. Which of these was not one of them? Was it A, worst picture? Was it B, worst director? Was it C, worst screenplay? Was it D, worst supporting actor? Or was it E, worst on-screen couple? Stop eating my sesame cake. Captain Cash. Oh, man. You know, I... In my heart, I want it to be E, but I can also see those Razzie dickheads doing worst on-screen couple, Peter Elliott and the monkey. I still want it to be E. Please tell me it's E. Uh, that was not one of them. Yep. Son of Oh, yep. nice! Yeah, Woo! Uh, so, worst picture, obviously the movie, worst director, Frank Marshall, worst screenplay. Uh, gosh, I sh- should have wrote his name down. Uh, he is a very great writer. Worst supporting actor, Tim Curry. Worst, oh, yeah, and a couple others. Mm-hmm. So worst supporting. So so so, what was the correct answer here? It was worst on screen couple. That was not one of them that they were nominated for. Now for two points, even though the game's over, I'm going to ask it anyways. Ah. For two points of the cast, who was nominated in the most categories? Someone was nominated twice. <laughs> For what? The screenwriter? Uh, I forget his name. I'm, I'm Fuck, I don't know. It, then obviously not that. 
Who was nominated twice? The monkey. Chumpzilla <laughs> is correct. Amy, the talking gorilla. And I should correct you both. The monkey and a gorilla are very different things. We're yeah, supp- they are. We're supporting yes. actress and worst new star, Amy the gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, so it's a tie? No, you won three to two. Three to two. <clears throat> Woo! John Patrick Stanley is the screenwriter. So, Oscar and a Pulitzer and a Razzie nomination for John Patrick Stanley. So that is our trivia challenge. I have good news for you, Chumpzilla. You have won one of the three Amy the Talking Gorilla heads that were used in this film, along with the hand of the yes. monkey that not Laura Dern lasered off. The hand <laughs> of the gorilla. I'm sorry, Laura Lenny. I bet Laura you... Lenny... Laura Linney is gorgeous in this film. She has a lovely career, mostly in England. She's a great actor. That's fine. She's uh, great. She's on Ozark, which is she a great is on show. Ozark. So, uh, we're going to come right back. We're going to do recommendations, and we'll tell you what's coming up after this. Hello and welcome back to Hops and Docs Office Flops. This is our final episode in the When Animals Attack series, and it was Congo. Uh, we are going to do some quick recommendations for the week, and we will start with Captain Cash. So I'm kind of bummed I blew my devolution uh, load last week when I talked about how you should watch or listen to or read Max Brooks's uh, Yeti Bigfoot killer novel because that really is very much what this book was supposed to be um so instead i'm gonna swing very low and go hey if you got disney plus you should watch hamilton hamilton's fucking great it's a it's a great musical the disney plus film of the musical is a lot of fun it doesn't replace actually being there and seeing it but worth your time all i'm gonna say is leave it to Captain Cash to recommend the one thing that everybody on planet Earth has watched. <laughs> I just, like, I, I really, my ability to do other stuff because of my young children and my full time job hurts me to, to recommend some random out there thing. But again, Hamilton's really good. Okay, Chumpzilla. Uh, what do you recommend for this week? I'll shift gears a bit. There's a documentary on Amazon Prime right now called Future Shock, the story of 2000 AD. And 2000 AD is a British comic that spawned a number of popular characters that we're all familiar with, including, and probably most noteworthy, Judge Dredd. And this is a really interesting documentary because it talks about the comics as they formed in the late 60s and 70s into the 80s, and then how many of the artists moved on to the U.S. in the early 80s, and namely through the DC imprint Vertigo, and how we got a lot of the stuff that we consider to be comic you know, classics now from that period. So it's worth checking out. It's really interesting. Again, Future Shock, the story of 2000 AD, on Amazon Prime, pretty good uh, documentary. Check it out. Okay. Uh, 
I'm going to recommend, I'm going to stick with the theme of when animals attack, and I will recommend, actually, I'll just do the Rampage movie, which is a much more entertaining movie with a larger-than-life gorilla smashing things and having a hell of a time. Uh, it understands what kind of movie it is, unlike Congo, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, now, granted, the stories are a lot different, but... You know, it embraces what it's supposed to be, which is a creature feature with animals smashing shit. So that is my recommendation. We're going to close out. Uh, remember, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. Captain Cash is C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. And Chumpzilla can be found at Chumpzilla8 on Twitter. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. Uh, we're going to see you next week as we start our video game movie series. The Up, Up, Down, Down, Left, Right, Left, Right, A, B, Select, Flop. And that first movie is Postal, hosted by Chumpzilla. So, as we finish up, listeners, remember the wise words of Captain Monroe Kelly. Quite frankly... The 20th century sucks. Maybe the 21st century will be better. Well, he wasn't quite right, but here's to the 22nd century. <laughs>